We're beginning a new series today, and as you saw on the bumper video, it's, it's called Rooted. And I hope that it's a time that we can um, really take advantage of how much summer reminds us of all the things that, that God wants to do in the way that he grows us. Psalm 1-3 is probably a familiar scripture for some of you. It says this, it says, Like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. And uh, whatever happens, whatever they do, it will prosper. It will prosper. God has a heart to prosper you in so many ways, to grow us out of our spirit. Now, in order for a seed to grow, whether you're planting vegetables or flowers or whether you're planting a tree or anything like that, uh, it, it has to first be planted. It has to have that place of beginning and that nurturing uh, from the Lord. These are some petunias that we're going to put on our front porch. We do this every year because they last so long. And, you know, they'll stay pretty all summer. And they provide a lot of color. We're going to look at a parable in just a moment. And at the end of the parable that we're about to read, Jesus says something that's kind of fascinating, kind of interesting. He says in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He says, if you have a heart, if you have a willingness to listen, then stop, pause, and listen, and listen. If you've ever had a child, or maybe you've been one, who's trying to get somebody's attention, and you keep saying something like over and over, and, and, and you can't get the parents, maybe they're distracted, or they're in a conversation, or whatever, you know what it's like uh, to try to speak into someone, into a conversation, or maybe you've been in a crowded room and you've, you've tried to make your voice heard uh, to someone. You know what it's like not to be heard when you want to be heard. I think Holy Spirit wants to be heard uh, today. Sometimes I have failed to understand the heart of Jesus when he said this because it's a curious thing to say. But he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You think, well, what is that? If we listen and concentrate, really focus and pay attention, we might realize that through the years, and I know some of you have more years than the others, but through the years, maybe we've missed some of the real, uh, some of the hidden blessings in the Bible. I've been reading scripture for at least 20, um, 40 Five years, I mean, you know, all of my adult life. And I'm still discovering these deeper things as I go forward with the Lord. So whether you're an unbeliever, whether you're a new Christian, or a long-time follower of Jesus, I hope you listen closely over the next few weeks as we go along, because the Lord has a fresh word for you. Let's read this story, this parable uh, that Jesus tells together in Matthew chapter 13. We'll begin in verse 3. He says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed. 
And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what it was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The description of farmland would be an easy picture for Jesus' listeners. I'm from Tennessee, and I've lived all across the state. I lived in West Tennessee, and I've lived here in Knoxville for a long time, and I'm used to seeing farmland. My grandfather was a sharecropper. Uh, I was uh, always thought it was a fun time. You know, it was a good thing. He'd let you know let me drive the tractor. He'd let me work in the garden and do those kind of things. To him, it was work. To me, it was just something kind of different to do because I lived in the city. This would be familiar. It's probably familiar for most of you. They would know uh, the the beaten paths, the hard places. They would know the rocky spots, all the thorny patches. Everything that Jesus mentioned was familiar features of the fields. And it was a common experience to everyone. When Jesus tells this parable, it begins by saying that he got into a boat. And you can see that he's along this shoreline and the people kept pressing in closer and closer. And maybe you can imagine Jesus backing up further until he's, he's right there at the edge of the water and he has this idea, I'll get in the boat. And you see this in the Gospels in several places. You see that Jesus teaches from a boat. Sometimes that just worked. And as far as I know, nobody had ever done that before. Nobody ever taught from a boat but it gave him a place to speak. It was away from, you know, the closeness of of the crowd so he could have a little room, a little air, you know, and it provided, I imagine, good acoustics. Uh, And it probably was a nice backdrop, kind of like when I speak at Calvary. I always think, wow, if you get bored, just look out the window because we have one of the best views in town, you know. When Jesus taught from a boat, that was different. That was like a new thing. And I can just imagine some of the critics there saying, you can't do that. You can't teach from a boat. Nobody's ever taught from a boat before. Teaching belongs in the synagogue or some other appropriate place. You need to stop doing that. That's not the way we do it. It'd be easy to come up with objections. Well, the damp air, you know, close to the seashore like that, that's going to make people sick. Some people are just, they're going to they're be allergic to things down there in that. And there's mosquitoes. Everybody knows there's mosquitoes at the shoreline. Why, why would you do that? And, and what if, look at all those people down, somebody's going to drown. Somebody's going to drown. You ever been on a committee in a Baptist church? Then you, you know, you know. There, there's going to be all these, you know, but, but for Jesus... I think he just sat in the boat and he looked at the crowd and he thought, this suits my purposes. This works. This works. And when the doors of the synagogues had been slammed shut against Jesus, he took to the open air. He went out where people were. 
And he just continued to teach. I just wanted to remind you, don't get stuck spiritually or in any area of your life thinking you've got to do the same things in the same way that you've always done it. Sometimes God might bring a creative, unorthodox approach to a problem, to a situation in your life. So pay attention when the Holy Spirit's there and you think, wait a minute, I've got an idea. Have you ever had that moment? You think, wait, this may not work. This may sound crazy. When somebody around the table says, I know this may sound crazy, but let them speak. It may not work, but it's worth moving outside of the box. Here's a big idea. The seed of the gospel is sown generously, no matter the heart condition of the individual. Its ability to take root and to grow is dependent on the soil of the heart. You see, the seed is the same. The seed does not change. It's not about the seeds. It's about the soil. It's about the heart. Folks, we can make conscious life choices with the Holy Spirit energizing us when he's, the, he's on the inside. And we can see him create the kind of environment where our relationship with God can grow. It can blossom. It can produce fruit in ways maybe you never dreamed or never expected it to. Our connection to God is directly linked to the condition of our heart. Eight verses later, because Jesus talked in parables a lot. You know, he would tell a story. Well, there's, and he, he, would, he would just explain things with these, with these word pictures. And people go, oh, okay, I get it. Or they would be more confused. So in this case, just to make sure that they really understood, eight verses later in Matthew, Jesus explains the meaning of the parable. He goes, you don't have to guess. I'm going to tell you exactly what all these word pictures mean. Here's what he said. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble, persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Jesus gives four different scenarios. The seed is the word. It's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the grace life of Christ in us. 
The soil is the heart of a person. And that's where the seed can take root and begin to grow when it's planted. Now, as I said a moment ago, the problems in the parable don't happen with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The problems arise depending on what kind of soil the seed falls into. The first, it's a hardened, just an oblivious heart. And that's a barren place for seed. Some are just opposed to the gospel, to the good, and just harden our hearts. I was, I was on that, that path, and they're just reckless with it. Even mocking it or making fun of it, you know, and just kind of not giving it any credibility or a chance at all. So this parable illustrates the seed can't grow. It won't grow where there's unreceptive soil. In fact, the enemy will, will snatch that seed away as quickly as he can because he doesn't want it to have any opportunity to take a root, you know, and to grow in your life. The second seed is an unsettled heart, and that produces just shallow roots. I know life can be a difficult journey sometimes. I don't think it's all gloom and doom. I think there should be a lot of happiness and a lot of joy, but we have some tough spots, right? And a heart that is constantly concerned and doubting the Lord and and just looking at the roadblocks and all the struggles of life, and it fails to produce those deep roots. Those are the individuals that have an interest in the gospel and maybe even seem to embrace it for a while. But then come those tough times, those seasons of doubt, or those moments where you're challenged. Maybe it's at school or in your job or your neighborhood, and you think, well, I don't know. You know, this friend of mine, is, he's moved away, and, and these my family doesn't believe. I think the latest term for this is to deconstruct. You know, I'm just going to deconstruct my faith. And you've seen some pretty prominent Christians say, yeah, I'm going to pull back from that. I had a good friend in my life, and we had a lot of spiritual experiences together. We were in the same small group together. We lived together in an apartment for a while. And at one point, he came to me and said, Dan, I can no longer accept the validity intellectually of the gospel. And I said, what does that mean? He said, that means I'm, I'm leaving. I'm pulling back from this. I, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a want to be a Christian. I thought, but how can you, how can you take that step? I think he, he's kind of like, this place, this place, he was pulled away in all different kind of directions. You're going to have hard times. And there's going to be times you're going to be challenged. You know, even Jesus warned us. He said in, in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. And you can underline that. You will have. It's not maybe. You know, it has nothing to do with luck. He goes, you're going to have trouble. He said, but take heart. Be encouraged. I've overcome the world. You're already ahead. Shallow roots won't sustain a person through the harsh seasons. You may be in one now. You may be headed toward one or just coming out of one. It takes deep and strong roots growing in healthy soil to weather those storms. And I know it sounds like a cliche to say it'll make you stronger. It'll make you tougher. It'll make you 
deeper and better in Christ. Then the third one is a distracted heart. He says that doesn't bear any fruit. A distracted heart doesn't grow roots because it can't sustain life. A heart that cares more for the things of the world and the things of the kingdom aren't as important. And it produces, it's it's an unhealthy soil. And when I was going over this and just kind of imagining and hearing myself say that, I thought, wow, that just sounds so, you know, and it's like, yeah, I expect he would say something like that and maybe go off on kind of a preacher type rant against money and status and popularity. And I could hit this and say all the stuff we've been tempted to chase after. And so you could kind of tune that out, but it's a real thing. I've seen so many people. My heart has been pulled in different directions. And it's usually not a lot of different things. It's those same kind of things. It's the money, the status, the popularity, all the stuff that we chase after. But what happens? Honestly, what happens when you get there? When you get that thing, when you get to that place, when you achieve that status, whatever it is, isn't there a little disappointment attached to it? You think, you know, that's it. It's kind of anticlimactic. I thought there, I thought there would be more. And we allow that to choke out the, the seed's capacity to get the nutrients and the care that's necessary to grow roots. Now, sometimes that can be something that's just maybe blatantly sinful, but sometimes it can just be something else. You know, just something good or just something ordinary, but there's so much of that, it just sort of blocks that out. And there's no space, there's no room, there's no time, there's no depth for the Holy Spirit to work. Because we buy into all the substitute things. A heart that is fertile. A heart that is open and tender and receptive. That sustains life. A heart that is ready to accept the gospel and nurtures that. Wherever place you are, whether this is new to you. Or whether this is something, you know, you think, wow, I'm so familiar. I even know that particular scripture. I've read that and studied that. And, and, and I kind of get that sometimes. But we have to be really careful to guard against that just becoming this place where we go, you know, yeah, I'm just going to kind of keep that at arm's length. Or I've, I've heard that. Or I really don't want to don't go there. You know, when you accept that, whatever you accept to whatever measure the Holy Spirit speaks into your life, in whatever way he does that, whether it's in the morning over a cup of coffee and you're reading scripture, or maybe you're in a conversation in a community group with some folks and you're, you're looking at, you know, different things, and you're, maybe it's time of prayer or just with friends or you're listening to somebody like me speak. You know, God has the opportunity to plant seeds. And to know, you know, and if you if you're receptive to those, if you open to those, and say, God, I'm leaning in that direction, even if you're not convinced, even if you're saying, you know, I don't know, I don't know about Jesus, I don't know about the whole Christian thing, I'm just, I'm not sure about that. Well, what are you afraid of? I mean, if it's not true, you okay, you haven't really risked anything. But what if it is? What if it is? And the more you move in that direction, the more you discover, the more the you know, the, the light begins to brighten. You think, wait, I mean, that's the way it happened for me. As I listened and as I thought about it and as I had conversations with my friends, oftentimes in the car, just going to places and just doing things, 
I think, and I would ask questions. One friend in particular, you know, I would say, well, what about this? Help me understand. Well, what, how, how, do you, how do you see this? Uh, what do y'all do about that, you know? And I would ask some of the same old questions that people ask that I don't know if we're really interested in, but it's just kind of roadblocks that we throw up. But continue to move in that direction. Have the conversations. Be fertile, because fertile soil is where something you know, really beautiful, this is this heart that's made, you know, it's ready to participate with, you know, that's what Peter said, you know, he said we are partakers of the divine nature. That word means participation. He said, I'm ready to participate. If this is true, I'm listening. I've got ears, I'm, I'm listening. I'm not gonna hide from this. I'm not gonna just throw up excuses or walls and say, eh, that's what my mom believed, my grandma, you know, I don't wanna listen to that, that stuff. Well, you listen to a lot of different things, some crazy theories about all kinds of stuff. Just listen. Just listen. This is the the place where seeds have the best opportunity to grow into these life-giving. And the the metaphor here, you know, the the picture is, is a healthy plant, whether it's flowers or trees or vegetables, whatever it is. It has an opportunity to grow. For instance, uh, my father-in-law had uh, an apple tree, and it was a healthy apple tree, and he nurtured it. I mean, he would tie it off when it began to go in a different direction. He would prune it. He'd fertilize it, and he really took care of it. You know, just one apple tree can bear enough fruit to feed dozens of people. On a hot day, you can sit in the shade of it. You know, in, in the springtime, uh, it, it, it nourishes thousands of pollinators, you know, so that it can keep going. And then its seed will spread, and it multiplies into more and more apple trees over, over its lifetime. Let me ask you a question. What kind of soil is your heart today? What kind of soil is your heart? In Jesus' time, just like now, you know, the religious, the the church folks, they came to him to listen, but they were so entrenched. You know, they were so dug in with their own previous practices. They had been doing it since they were children. They had their faith. They had their beliefs. They had their systems of coping with life and, you know, and, and their sayings, you know, just like we do. They had so many things that say, oh, you know, and they would just repeat these things like off a bumper sticker, off a T-shirt. And that was the depth of their life. But they came with their ears closed. And for all of Jesus' ministry, right up until the crucifixion, and even after that, their ears remained closed. Many of them, they they wouldn't even check it out. They wouldn't even investigate. Because they, they were resistant to any new knowledge that was difficult to experience or to process. So what I'm asking today is wherever you are in those four soils, whichever one you think, yeah, that's kind of where I am, open your ears and just lean in and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. You know, our phones are a good illustration. Uh, they have a certain capacity in them. You know, whether your phone, maybe your parents said, you know, I'm not going to spring for the, the really expensive one. You get the 16 gig. <laughs> 
or maybe you get a 32 gig, you know, that's got ROM in it and it's got 64 or 128 or 250, whatever's in them now. I had the same kind of situation with my computer. I think I have a 500 gig hard drive and I got to the place where it was full. And every time I'd try to do an update, have you ever had this happen, you know, or try to do anything or put something in, it would go, yeah, you don't have any room. You've got to move something. And then there's that time, you know, you make these hard decisions. What do I delete? What are those photos, you know, what can I, what can I, what can I cut out of there? Because see, there's, there's some old pictures in here. There's junk files and all of that is just taking up space. So you have to make a decision. It's the same way with us. Some of us are filled with junk files. <laughs> you know, files of old traditions and practices and beliefs, maybe with unforgiveness and grudges. And if you want to start fresh, if you want to blossom and grow, you're going to have to delete some things. You know, before I put fresh soil in here, I dumped out the old because I felt like it had been depleted. We got some fresh potting soil and, and put in a new plant, and I'll water that, and I'll nurture that. God kind of designed and built us the same way this happens organically, it works in us spiritually. What are you willing to let go of? Because when you turn away from one thing to embrace something else, God, I'm going to stop listening and giving my heart and attention to this system, to these voices, and I'm going to listen. I'm just going to listen to you. That, that's called Repentance. That's a Bible word, repentance. And I know maybe you've heard that it means to turn from one thing into another. It's really just three characters in the original Hebrew word. And you know what it meant? Burn down the house. Burn the house down. I had a dream a few years ago. I wrote it out in my journal. I don't have a lot of dreams that, um, that I think are spiritual. I think most of them are pizza or, you know, whatever is going on in my life. But this one I felt was significant. In this dream, I was back at my childhood home. It's in North Memphis in Fraser where Hollywood connects with Range Line. And there's my old house. It was just a five-room house. It had two bedrooms. My brother and I shared one. My parents had a room. And then my sister, we kind of made her a room, which was actually like a giant closet out of part of the dining room. We had one bathroom. Uh, and somehow we, we made that work. But in, in my dream, I went back to that house. We had a, this red concrete porch, and it was just this white, looked like a little cottage. And in the dream, I stepped in, and, and everything was old and rotten. And there was wallpaper that was curling off the walls, and there were boards that were, were 
were, were just weather beaten and, and everything was falling apart in my heart because I'm kind of a fixer, you know? That's what I spend most of my day off fixing things or repairing or maintaining things. And, and in the dream, that part of my personality came out. And I thought, wow, I got to fix this. The porch needs another coat of paint and it's chipped and, and this place is, it's just falling down and I don't know what to do. Can I, if I can get put sheetrock up or how, am I going to paint this? And the, the ceiling's coming down. And in the dream, you know, it's, it's like this, this voice said, you know, this isn't your house anymore. You don't have to repair. You don't have to maintain. You don't have to keep it up. You don't have to give it any attention. Let it go. You don't live there anymore. That's what repentance is. And in the dream, I remember backing out of the house. And there was a little bit of nostalgia. You know, a little sentiment as I looked over. You know, thought, wow, that's where I grew up. And I realized as, as, as much pain and some woundedness and some bad memories that happened there, there are a lot of sweet things. There are a lot of happy moments. You know, they're, they're, But I just had to let that go. And I feel like that's a little bit of a metaphor to where maybe some of us are. God is saying, if you want a fresh plant, you want something beautiful. You know, we've got some plants and they're just brown and dead and I had to dig some of them out and they just died in the heat or just through the winter. They just didn't make it. And so I pull those out and I put these fresh ones in. Listen, God has put you, you're in a new house. You're in a new place. You don't live there anymore. Now my house that I grew up in, it's not even there. <laughs> they eventually tore it down, and it was just left there for a while, and you could go back and you could kind of see it. You know, you could see where the foundation was. And I, I remember going back, and trees were starting to grow up, and the weeds were really tall, but I could stand in the place, and I thought, this is where my bedroom was. And that means the kitchen would have been over there. But over time, especially the last 10 years, it just happened so quickly. These trees have just grown up. And you cannot even tell that there was a house ever there. Honestly, if you get on Google Earth or Google Maps or, or you look or you go back and visit it, you'll think, I don't, you can't tell that anybody ever lived there. The Lord has just brought all this back to life there. You know, he will do that in your life in a good way. He will bring fresh, living, real things growing in your heart and life. Things you're going to love. Tear down the house. Let it go. Dig up the old dead plant. Let your heart be fertile. Let the soil be open and ready to receive. If you've ever had a garden or planted anything, you know the effort that it takes to grow and produce fruits or peppers. This year, I'm just going small. I'm doing jalapenos and poblanos. I'm just doing things in pots, I'm just not, except for tomatoes. You know, I'm not a big farmer, but whether you put out vegetables or flowers or anything, that's the picture. And every time you do that, every time you see that... I, 
Jesus is going to use this to help you understand the eternal garden of your heart is where these divine seeds have been planted so that the gospel is trying to grow. It's trying to grow. It just needs healthy soil and nurturing. So the other question that I would add to the, to the question of what's the condition of your heart? Which one of these soils is you? And the follow-up question to that is this. Wherever you are, what will you do this week in response to, in obedience to the Holy Spirit to strengthen the soil of your heart? What will you do? For some of you, it'll be real simple. And say, you know what? I'm going to get up 20 minutes earlier than I typically do. And I'm just going to spend some time listening, praying, reading scripture. Just going to be a little tweak in your schedule. For some of you, it's going to be, you know what? I watch hours of TV every night. I'm just going to, I'm going to cut one of those. I'm just going to walk and pray. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know. Will you be open? Will you listen? Will you stand, please? I want you to reflect on that. I want you to think, what might the Lord lead you to do this next week to strengthen the soil of your heart?